Hey everyone, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Captain America. I could do this all day. Today on the show, I'm talking about revisiting complex PTSD, um, mostly because it just kind of happened to me. <laughs> I mean, it's been something I've been dealing with for the last year, but um, last night I had a really terrible dream um, that really brought me into that complex PTSD space and um, really altered my brain's perception of reality and it really screwed with me in a way that's got me shaken up today. So a lot of this episode is deconstructing that. Um, I talk a little bit about the traumas I experienced kind of growing up um, with some domestic abuse um, and just kind of like physical punishment. And then um, also when I was going through my marriage and there was a lot of emotional abuse associated there, um, and sort of being careful to like not ostracize or vilify really anyone involved, but also that's kind of part of what complex PTSD is. So being careful to not be overly apologetic, <laughs> you know, for the traumas I experienced, but also being real about it and how it's been affecting my reintroduction into society post PTSD, you know, those scenarios. And how basically defining, so we start like by redefining complex PTSD, letting you guys know that it's essentially like about repeat traumas and all the details associated with that. And um, then how that relates to my life and what I've been feeling lately and um, how it's been a massive challenge. And, you know, while I'm, I'm trying to figure out little things to make some changes and now it's taking time and that time is sometimes frustrating because I'm 33 and I got bills to pay and uh, student loans and debts and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, getting back, get my life, getting my life back is a massive multi-year hurdle that is filled with challenges, um, potential pitfalls, and is just, just overwhelming. Right. So I talk about all those details on this episode of Dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Join me. Let's go. Drums, please. All right. Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing okay. Happy Monday. We're back at it again, doing the things. Um, and uh, I appreciate you guys for being here. I want to say thank you before I get started to um, to thank you for listening to the show. I, I just hit 40,000 listeners all time. So thank you so much. Uh, this show has really been the current iteration of the show has been around since January. And some of those listening listens have been from sort of anchor 2.0, uh, before January. So, um, thank you for that. For those who are, you know, OG dopamine listeners when it was just called the C note audio extravaganza, <laughs> you know, back in the day. So those first episodes, if you go back, those are from the C note audio extravaganza way, way back when. So it's kind of cool to go back and listen to those. I might go do that. Um, maybe I'm not really sure because, um, I'm dealing with, uh, a bit of complex PTSD. So I wanted to revisit that topic today because it is um, something that really shook me this morning. Um, I had a really bad dream um, and, you know, kind of a 
really a PTSD-like dream. And the difficulty when it comes to talking about complex PTSD is that it's not something that is fully adapted or, or accepted into the DSM just yet. So it's really hard to say like it's that it's actually a thing because you talk to a therapist and like not everyone's on board with it yet, right? So it's a really difficult topic. I think a lot of people are still talking about it anyway because you know we're we're people that are experiencing it, right? You can't tell us we're not experiencing something. So. I want to talk about my experience with complex PTSD, really how the last year has been and um, really what happened last night. So I guess I'll kind of start with that dream last night is that, um, you know, uh, actually uh, I'll re kind of re re uh, reiterate what complex PTSD is essentially um, complex PTSD is uh, similar to PTSD, but when PTSD is typically associated with a single event, a single trauma, uh, complex PTSD typically involves repeated trauma. Um, so it's typically associated with extreme traumas like, you know, kidnappings or uh, sexual abuse for children uh, on children or um, any kind of prolonged abuse like that, um, domestic abuse, um, you know, prolonged repeated abuses in or, or traumas in war or anything like that. Repeated trauma of any kind. And um, for me, my version of that, uh, I'm kind of battling it on two fronts. Um, uh, I, actually, an, another aspect of it too, before I carry on, um, another aspect of it too is the feeling or or even the perception of being trapped for a prolonged period of time. So it's not only just the traumas, but feeling like you can't get out of that trauma. And a lot of people feel that emotionally with a lot of the people closest to them and, um, you know, abusive, emotionally abusive relationships can essentially lead to complex PTSD, at least the current definition of it. Um, I've been seeing more complex, ironically, uh, descriptions of it. And I think it's covering a wider range in the same way that, um, you know, autism has become more of a spectrum and people understand that there's a wider range of it. I think complex PTSD is an attempt to understand and break down the wider range of it because PTSD, one of the major challenges that anyone has is reintegration back into society and complex PTSD has a very similar vibe to it. Um, Complex PTSD is more about reliving an emotional experience, um, the emotions of that time, and not necessarily like feeling any kind of paranoia of being like attacked in the middle of the night or something like that, but which could be also the case for repeated physical traumas. But um, essentially, if it's emotional abuse, for example, you know, kind of being uh, being attacked by the emotional experience in a way. I've certainly had a same similar feeling sometimes when I feel like I need to leave the apartment and I can't because Molly's using the car or if I'm looking at a picture of my son that happens to have my ex-wife in it, um, I can kind of get back into it's like a quick flash of all of the emotions of feeling trapped in that situation. And um, it doesn't feel good at all. Right. And then, um, sometimes when having discussions with my parents, whom, with whom I've, um, been building a better relationship, definitely a better relationship when, than when I was younger, um, I've been able to, to slowly rekindle some aspects of that relationship. But if we ever get into a moment where there's like a certain level of aggression or worded words being used or like a certain tone or anything like that, um, it can absolutely take me back to that place of being a child um, and being a part of 
you know, listening to a lot of domestic abuse that's going on. And then later in my teens getting, getting involved in it essentially. Um, so for me, that's a lot of the trauma that I personally deal with. And, uh, it, it's, it's a major challenge. Um, some aspects of some symptoms that come basically, like I said, it's like about the reintegration into society being a challenge. And sometimes that comes with these feelings of shame, feeling like I can't, like I'm feeling like terrible because I, I just can't be a normal person. Right. I, I feel paranoid about like getting a job or leaving the house or um, it's really hard to make new friends. Um, it's really hard to reintegrate into, especially I live in a new city. So it's, and I've been here for about a year and just slowly starting to make friends now, which is great. We've got some people that, you know, Molly being an extrovert has been amazingly helpful in that regard. Um, but I've been sort of dealing with uh, shame and trauma of like, I don't want to deal with anyone still. Like, I don't want anyone around ever. <laughs> I want to be by myself all the time. I want everything to stop, uh, you know. And the problem is I'm 33 years old and I've got bills to pay and I've got all sorts of things going on, responsibilities. And some of the shame associated as well is um, with you know, having to leave my son behind and sort of dealing with the, the shame and, and, and associated with that. Right. So, um, I kind of bounced around a little bit, but that kind of gives you an idea of what complex PTSD is. Um, and I think it's important to note that it can happen to really anyone in any situation. It's not exclusive to war. It's not really even exclusive to the extreme trauma scenarios of, uh, childhood kidnappings or anything like that. Right. It can, it can happen in terms of emotional or domestic abuse, you know, even feeling marginalized or belittled over a long period of time. And, um, you know, for me, it was about getting out of those situations where we're an absolute challenge. Um, and it kind of fosters codependency a little bit, um, you know, a bit of Stockholm syndrome in a way, right? So any any kind of feeling of that is, is essentially what complex PTSD is associated with, um, any kind of prolonged trauma. So um, how that all leads to my story is that, again, I'm kind of battling this from two fronts. I'm, I'm dealing with it in association with my parents. Um, and it's it's... And the problem is that as someone who's dealing with complex PTSD, it's really, you can kind of go one of two ways. You can be an apologist for your abuser, or you can be constantly fixed on revenge of your abuser. And I think I have fallen to the apologist territory, and I'm trying to be very careful to make sure that I am not um, apologizing on behalf of my, uh, abusers in this scenario, um, my ex-wife and my parents, um, because I want to be accurate in the sense that like making sure people know that they're not bad people and it's not as severe as like a kidnapping, but it is prolonged emotional abuse. And there was some physical stuff with my parents and there was, um, all sorts of stuff going on in my marriage that was all um, emotional and um, made me feel trapped. And I, I, you know, a lot of it again is like the perception of feeling trapped. So it isn't completely all her just like, you know, holding me beyond my will, right? I could leave whenever I want, but it was the emotional component of not being able to feel like I could leave whenever I wanted um, in association likely with my youth and um, aspects of my personality and, 
and like a, you know, again, a complicated set of things that lead to this feeling of not, of not feeling like I could leave this scenario whenever I wanted. Right. So, um, I'm going to take a quick break. And after the break, I'll tell you a little bit more about what those traumas are and actually tell you that dream <laughs> that I started telling you about, um, before I went into this long diatribe about what complex PTSD is, I do have another episode on complex PTSD in comparison to like bipolar disorder and, um, uh, uh, what is it? Um, borderline personality disorder. So those, those are a little bit older episodes, but you know, I like to rehash things as I learn new things about this stuff and you know, there's new listeners and all that stuff. And, um, it's relevant really to today. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty all shook up based on this dream. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it after the break. Let's do this. All right. Welcome back. Hope you guys made it past that uh, ad. It's not so bad, right? And you can deal with it. It's totally okay. Um, I apologize. I'm a little bit of loss of breath today. So I'm, I'm going to take it a little slower. Um, again, because this dream is kind of like mess with me. Um, so before I go on, um, Tomorrow, I'm actually recording tomorrow's episode with Abigail and Emily of Think Creative Collective, who are hosting the Boss Project Summit by uh, sponsored by Dubsado. So they're going to come on the show, talk all about you know their uh, experiences, uh, if they have anything with mental health and anxiety and stuff like that, and then talk a little bit about building their business because they have this massive business and it doesn't come without challenges, right? So we're going to talk all about those things. Um, but I'm a keynote speaker on the Boss Project Summit. So if you want to go check that out, go to bit.ly slash cnote summit. I'm a speaker on there. I'm one of the keynote speakers talking about branding. So my uh, session is called Real Talk. Branding is more than a logo. And there are some other amazing speakers on there as well, talking about YouTube, talking about uh, building a business, virtual assistants, um, uh, money stuff, like a, a whole ton of things on that Um uh, on it. And uh, as we get a little bit closer, I'll give you some more specific details about um, the other speakers and what they'll be talking about and all that stuff. Because like, if you're someone that's trying to start a business and you don't know where to go, you're stuck in any kind of way, and you don't even know where to begin, like this thing is incredible. It's going to be free from November 6th to November 9th. Um, but if you want unlimited access to it, you have to go pick up the pre-party pass before November 6th. So go to bit.ly slash cnote summit, sign up for that. And then go pick up the pre-party pass for $49, I believe, 47 or $49. And then um, do that before November 6th, because after November 6th, between during the show, you get the at-the-door price, which is $99 so or $97. And then a few days after that, it'll be $149. So you'll see how the pricing is going up for procrastinating, essentially. And then a few days after that... Um, you know, there it's just gone forever. So your opportunity to pick this up will be gone forever if you don't go do it now. So cnote dot um, go to bit.ly slash cnote summit and sign up for that thing. So okay. Um so we're gonna yeah, so I'm gonna re reiterate this dream that I was talking about. So um I woke up this morning in like a massive panic. Um and I'm having a hard time breathing and just like focusing and I feel like trapped, like the equivalent of being in like a dark, dingy room and there's just no door and it feels pretty, pretty, pretty daunting and haunting, <laughs> you know, um, in the dream, which sometimes I, I've 
I've been capable of lucid dreaming. I've had that sometimes happen where I feel like I'm ever present in the dream and um, making decisions and choices. But sometimes that can have a detrimental effect because knowing that feeling can make me feel like a dream is actually reality. And that reality is scary. It's, it can convince your brain and it convinced my brain that the reality, the dream that I was experiencing was reality. And because I'm a very visual person, like I, my dreams, I experience them as if they're reality. I see everything clear as day. And, um, you know, the issue with this is that I was living in this reality that was an extension of my past life, but as if it was today. And I was in that life and in California and um, doing all those th those things. But then it started to transition. The dream itself started to transition into um, a situation where I was basically as the dream went along, I was pretty sure that it was a dream at first. And then as I was going along, like the dream felt so long that I was confused as to whether or not it was actually a dream. So. I knew in the dream that if I went to sleep in the dream, <laughs> I would wake up in reality. And the problem is that I went to sleep in the dream and I woke up in the dream to a mixed reality, meaning it was my past situation, but in this apartment. And it totally messed with me. Like it really freaked me out. Um, so I, I woke up and there was like, it, you know, my ex-wife was like next to me and there was like all sorts of like things that that life represented in the past. And, um, even like the layout of my apartment was the same as it is now, but there was like things from my past in this apartment, like it was invading my life and, but it felt real. And it wasn't until I went in like into the bathroom and started to see things that were not indicative of reality. Like there was like little newspaper clippings and stuff that were not like, not things that I would have in my home. Right. <laughs> just things that were like, uh, um, a little out of sorts. And that just little disparity, like was able to help me kind of shake out of it and realize, okay, this is still a dream. I'm going to wake up from it. And when I woke up in this reality, this real, real reality, as far as I know, um, the, I was just in a sense of relief and, but panic at the same time. And just like, Oh my God. Okay. So I didn't just dream all of that because my brain was so convinced that I was in that reality as if this reality was a dream and that reality was real, right? Kind of very matrixy. And, um, it was, it was messing with me. It was just this really horrible feeling. It was, it was incredibly scary. It felt I felt the same way as I, I, I've felt in the past. And that's been an actual like fear of mine is feeling like all of this is a dream. And that is like, I'm still there. Right. And that feels like an expression of complex PTSD, essentially. Um, other, other ways that I've experienced complex PTSD in relation to my, um, my California life, um, is, you know, when I see my son and a picture of my ex-wife, you know, it kind of takes me back to those emotions and all of the difficulties and all of that stuff. And the challenge is, like I said, is that it's easy. I'm in the place of being more of an apologist for my ex-wife because I don't genuinely think she's a bad person. Not at all. Not even remotely. Like she's rad, but it was the complicated 
the complexity of both of our relationships together that created something different in her towards me. Right. I don't think she is like this towards other people. I haven't experienced this like that to other people, but there were just all sorts of little subtleties in terms of like expectations and controlling behavior and all sorts of little things that were all towards me. It was all about me, nothing else, no, no one else. So something about her and relationships and all of that stuff. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. I can't speak for her in that regard, but I know how it affected me. And I know for me over time, I had plenty of moments where I felt like I wanted to leave, but then I felt like I couldn't because of emotional reasons or because of like social ostracization, ostracizing or something like that. Right. So while again, it's not as serious as like a child kidnapping or like war, it is still very much a similar feeling of feeling like you're trapped. Right. And it's like, not only just actually being trapped, it's the perception of it because I wasn't actually trapped. I was emotionally trapped, but I, part of it was me, right? I was keeping myself there. So part of it, you know, I, I keep personal responsibility and certain, certainly a little bit of the quote unquote blame for allowing myself to stay in a situation that I wasn't happy with or that was detrimental to my mental health. Right. And that was essentially leading me to where I am now, where I'm trying to rebuild my life. I've been doing this for the past year and trying to essentially reintroduce myself into society because I was very much held back from, you know, being as social as I would have liked to be, to be back then. And, um, I still want to be social, but I'm just like struggling with feeling like I I'm worthy of any of that or, or physically feeling like I can leave the house. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. And then, um, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was, um, you know, my, my, my parents were like of kind of old school discipline where I, you know, I was hit with the belt and just kind of like, had to deal with that. Right. I couldn't really go outside the lines without getting trouble without getting in trouble. Right. If I took the wrong route home or if I went across the street when I shouldn't have, or walked into the Creek when I shouldn't have, or any of that stuff, like the belt was waiting for me when I got home basically. So, um, that was hard to deal with. Um, and I was put into Catholic school, uh, for high school, which was its own traumatizing experience, but that's a different thing. That's not related to complex PTSD. Um, and you know, just, I had a lot of things that I was not in control of obviously. And I felt pretty stuck most of my life. It wasn't until around like maybe 17 or 18 when I realized that, um, I could try to cooperate more because I knew there was a time limit for all of this, right? There was eventually going to be a time where I could afford to leave. And, um, make my own way and realize that a lot of my relationship with my parents was transactional. And I was basically part of it is I, I shut myself off from them and um, which was not good, but at the same time, like that's just natural psychological response, right? To just like, if someone's saying that if they do anything nice for you, then you owe something to them. Like, okay, then don't do anything nice for me. Right. That's basically what happened. Um, and then in between all of that, there was, you know, my parents were fighting all of the time. There was a lot of things being thrown everywhere. There was a lot of, um, pushing and shoving and hitting and, um, a lot of, 
loud noises. Like I'd be downstairs in my room and then like hear like furniture being moved or something like that because someone fell or something. Um, so I don't know. A lot of it was auditory and then I would eventually get involved. Like I kind of shut things out. I shut it all out. Basically I closed my door. I would put on loud music, but as I got older, I got more involved and, you know, things got a little bit physical between my dad and I, and, um, my, even my mom was also physical. It wasn't just my dad. Uh, you know, my mom was also a very aggressive person. They're very two intense personalities. Right. Um, and then, you know, I'm naturally protective of my mom. And so I, I usually would get in the way and end up with fights between my dad and I, and there was stuff with him involving alcohol. And then as my sister was getting older, she was also dealing with alcohol stuff. And there's just a lot of stuff in that house that at the time, now they're at peace, which is almost maddening to me because they are in a place where they're doing better and they're feeling better, but I'm kind of stuck with this trauma, right? I'm kind of stuck with being the person that has is like fucked up. And, uh, well, there goes the explicit tag. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of left behind on my own, a little bit messed up because of all that stuff. I've never really gotten an apology of any kind. And if I ever try to bring it up, it's kind of like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Let's not talk about it. And I just feel like, well, okay, well then fuck me then. <laughs> right. If we're the, using the explicit tag now, let's just keep going. Um, you know, just like, forget it. Like, you know, I'll just have to deal with it on my own. And that's what I've been doing with is dealing with is like trying to just live life on my own. That all leads to like this difficulty asking for help that I talked about last week. And, um, a lot of isolation that I feel or have felt most of my life. Um, you know, I, I just, I feel like my, my parents do better in the sense that they've been helpful to me and fewer and fewer of our conversations or the things that we're, talking about are transactional and I've been very vocal about that with them. So there has been progress on that front, but it, it's very hard to talk to my parents sometimes. It, honestly, like they'll call and I don't always answer the phone. Um, I'm not always ready. You know, it's just not easy and it's not, you know, again, I can apologize for them all I want. Like it's not their fault, but everybody, cause everybody's dealing with stuff. I get that. But at the same time, like, an apology for all of that would have been nice. Um, would still be nice. Um, I don't know what that will do, honestly. Um, and I'm not good at having those emotional situations or conversations. Like I feel pretty emotionally shut off in that way. Um, and, uh, there are a lot of things that I'm extremely protective of when it comes to emotions, because similar to what's going on when I look at pictures of my son and ex-wife, like, I'm like, ah, like, I don't want to feel this stuff, you know? Um, and I just don't like when emotions are just kind of like invading me. I'm just not good at that. I'm not good at, I don't have any semblance of emotional regulation and that's something I need to work on. Um, I haven't cried since I was like 15 years old. Like that's a real deal. That's a real thing. Um, like a good cry, like one of those relieving, like, ah, I've, I've teared up a little bit, but I've never had like a <laughs> kind of cry. Right. And, um, it's been a very, very long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with maintaining a sense of control because 
you know, there were things in my life always trying to control me, trying to control my personality, trying to control, um, you know, how I should behave in certain situations. And um, I think, you know, this last year has been completely about combating that. And I've been isolating myself as a result uh, in, in good ways and bad ways and slowly reintroducing myself into the world, into the world that I want to live in. Um, and that's been a challenge. I'm very protective of people that I allow in my life. And by extension, I'm very protective of, you know, Molly and who she's going to let into her life. And, uh, it's not my job to do that per se, but I know it's because it's an extension of me and I'm not going to ruin relationships in any kind of way. It's just, I'm going to be vocal <laughs> if someone is setting off red flags or anything like that. Right. Um, at this point, I have a lot of red flags. I'm very aware of people and all of the intentions that they have. And I'm just, I give people an opportunity, but I'm, I'm not very trusting and it's a challenge. It's an incredible challenge. Um, so this past year of dealing with this complex PTSD, has been all about reintroducing myself into life, trying to rebuild myself financially, trying to get back into a place where I could build relationships, where I can have interviews every day. I had to cancel one today because I'm just not, I can't, I can't talk to people today. I just can't do it. You know, I'm talking to you guys and I appreciate you for listening to this. Absolutely. But, um, I, I can't face anyone today. That's the difference. I can't face anyone. I don't, I don't have it today. So I'm taking a slower day for myself. I'm going to write some stuff or try to plan some things for my clients. But right now I'm just, I just want to lay on my couch and try to just figure out what to do next. Right. And, um, there are some things, there are some big things in life that I'm trying to figure out too. Um, I've got two clients for next month and that's going to help me hopefully start to get back on track financially. And, um, that can start to help with the rebuilding process uh, a little bit more. But um, I also know I still face these challenges of like working every day is really hard. Working every moment is incredibly hard. Um, I, I can't focus. I can't be uh, much of the time. And again, I feel that shame for that. I feel like I can't be normal and that sucks and it feels frustrating. Um, especially since, you know, I'm a 33 year old guy. I got to do my thing. I got to make money. I got to pay bills. I've got collections bills coming to me. Right. So I got, I got things I got to handle, but like, I just want everyone to stop. I just want everything to go away. Right. So, and you know, point of this is just sharing that this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard to listen to sometimes. Um, it can be actually heartbreaking. <laughs> I get it, but I have no fear sharing this. You know, I just want to be real and maybe somebody can relate to it. And if you're dealing with something like that, then like go to a therapist and talk to them about it. Right. Talk to someone who can understand because I can't talk about this to a lot of people. Like, cause I have to explain what complex PTSD is. I have to make sure it makes sense to people. You know, I tried to explain all of the traumas to friends after I left. And some people were just like, oh, she's just being a girl. And I'm like, fuck you. You don't know what's going on. Right. Like I'm trying to explain it and you're not listening to me. Right. So, you know, who you're talking to is important <laughs> and, you know, people who are willing to listen to you and be there for you. Um, it's very important to, to do that. So sometimes a therapist is that, you know, and, um, I, I mean, I think anyone should go to therapy to talk about whatever they're dealing with, but like, 
I've got layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff. Um, but I can't afford it right now. I can't afford any kind of pills. I can't afford therapy. I can't, if I break a leg, I'm fucked. I can't go to the doctor. I can't afford it. <laughs> like I can't afford anything, you know, um, I can barely afford gas right now. So life is hard and I just kind of feel, um, you know, again, kind of left to my own devices and, uh, it, slowly I've had little things where I can try to ask for help. And that's been a challenge. It's been a pride hit. Um, but I, I still very much feel like I'm on my own and I got to make it work on my own and, um, to deal with something so complex on my own when my brain is capable of convincing myself that a dream is real. That's like scary. Like how can I trust myself to make myself feel better? Right. So I know I need to ask for help. And what I'm essentially trying to do is rebuild some resources so that I can get the help I need and talk to someone more regularly who isn't just going to throw pills at me. Right. And, and at this point, I think I'm more prepared than ever to try medication, but I'm also an extremely addictive personality. So I want to make sure that it's, I'm not doing anything that could be lead to like addiction of any kind and lead to anything worse. Right. Cause I've hit rock bottom plenty of times. I've nearly ended my life on multiple occasions um, and I feel like anything could be the push over the edge. So it's very scary to try anything new. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff baked in fear for me and I'm, I'm working on that. Um, totally. And I'm going to continue to share that progress on this show, but I wanted to rehash the topic of complex PTSD because I think it's important. I think it's important to be aware of. I think it's important to realize that it is a thing. And if someone is dealing with that in relation to like a relationship or their parents or any, the way they grew up, things like that, that, um, you know, it's real stuff. And it's important to, again, like let go of the stigma and actually listen to people and listen to people's traumas because there are things that are not in the DSM that people are dealing with. Right. And there are going to be things that are continued to be uncovered. And if someone's dealing with anything, like just listen to them, don't tell them it isn't real. Tell them, you know, listen to what it is that they're telling you and be there for them. That's all you can do. Right. So, um, that's it for this episode. Thank you for being here. I know this was a little bit of a hard one too, because again, this is like real stuff. This is real heavy life stuff, right? This is not be being, being cynical or negative. This is like me just sharing what the hell is going on in my brain. Right. So I think it's important to be real about that because I want to give people the bravery. I want to give you the bravery to be able to speak up and talk about what it is that you're dealing with and stop living in the shadow of social fear, right? I mean, I no longer live in the shadow of social fear when it comes to talking about my issues, right? But I certainly have protective energy when it comes to certain types of people because I know not everyone's going to understand it. But I know that you as a listener are someone that respects my story and listens to it and appreciates it. So thank you, of course, for continuing to be a part of that. Um, and the same to a lot of the people that I've met over the past year. Um, you guys have been really incredible for me being able to feel worthy and to keep me alive and to feel a sense of support and know that there are people out there that can actually be in alignment with what I'm dealing with and, and um, with what I want in life, right? That those things exist. Molly has been an amazing example of, of really showing me that the love that I feel like I've always wanted actually exists. And 
that my friends from like the gorilla group and people on Facebook and, and other entrepreneurs and like, and such are people that are showing me, especially some people that I've been meeting locally lately, uh, who are talented and has their own, have their own businesses and doing their own things. Like you guys have all been showing me that a next level version of life is absolutely possible and worth it. And I'm worthy of it. And, um, that my past is not going to weigh me down, that there is possibilities for the future, that um, this complex PTSD is not going to win, that I'm going to continue to work through it. And um, while it's frustrating, and I do feel a sense of shame, that there's nothing wrong with that shame, that there is nothing wrong with me going through this. Uh, this is all a part of the process. And kind of the main point here is to share that like this has been a rebuilding, a restructuring for me a reintroduction of me into life, into society, because I've been isolated and, um, you know, and to understand and have patience for the fact that that takes time, um, is, is giving me a sense of hope and, and, um, you know, optimism, essentially, that's the word, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, while there's a lot of heavy stuff on this episode, I do feel positive about the future because of the way things are going. And I know it takes time. And while that time is frustrating and it's going slow, um, I'll get there. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, if you have any questions, please leave me a voice message here on anchor. And if you want to check out my courses, go to cnote.media to check out me and my stuff. My prices for all of my like media stuff is there. So if you ever need any kind of media stuff, they can totally ask me for help there. I do help launch podcasts and all of that stuff. So if you ever want to do that sort of thing, just message me and I'll send you a link to all the things or whatever. Um, so you can message me here on Anchor. Uh, you can subscribe to the show at dopamine.life and pick whatever your podcast platform is from there. And then uh, support the show monetarily if you would like to support this with something as low as 99 cents a month. And then, um, yeah, that's really it. So I'm trying to like not throw as many links at you. <laughs> you know, rating, review, all that stuff. If you like the show, please share this episode if it resonates with you or to at least share the message and let people know that, you know, we want to actually share what is real about mental illness. That is the point. So this or whatever your favorite episode is, please share it with your friends. Um, get it out there and um, we'll keep talking about this. So thank you for being here. Thank you for helping us get to 40,000 listens. And, um, you know, we're just getting this week started. So join us tomorrow for another episode with uh, Abigail and Emily of Think Creative Collective on, uh, on dopamine. See you guys. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.